The Broncos get bucked at Breslin. A Spartan would totally beat a Demon Deacon in a fight. Hoops, about ready to enter a league play. And it's mostly crickets on the football front. Oh, and of course, we take your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to a very special New Year's Day edition of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines, Spartans can talk. And oh boy, did former Spartan Mr. Nick Saban do some talking. <laughs> I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by my friend Kevin Grek. Please start your New Year off right. Follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And please... If you're really looking to make your goal weight for 2020, share the show with the Spartans in your life, and of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Kevin, how is 2020 treating you so far? Oh, so far so good. I got no complaints. Watched some bowl games today. Uh, Got another dose of college football right here uh, to kick off the new year. I gotta ask you though, how's how's the energy in in the city, man? Is the <laughs> is New York beaming it, like just with excitement from having had you know hosted a barn burning uh, bowl game between Michigan State and Wake Forest? Well, as you know, Kevin, uh, I I do, and, and as we discussed uh, last week on the pod, I live out in Connecticut, and I'm currently literally tomorrow morning moving to New Jersey. Um, and, uh, I can, I've traversed Connecticut to New Jersey, which means I got across New York and the energy is just off the charts. I'm sure it off the charts. The city is literally running better Yeah, because the trains are on time because that pinstripe action, baby. Yeah. Huge, huge. It's all anyone can talk about over there. I'm sure. Now, uh, Kevin, uh, Look, you uh, you have a background in transportation sure. in in the moving. In fact, uh, some might call you a three star Jason Statham, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Trans- that's a transporter reference. I, everyone uh, got that. Obviously, uh, not dated or niche at all. Fully <laughs> understood by everyone. And uh, and you know, we we had gone back and forth on whether we we're going to pay for the Packers. Uh, opted not to. You're talking and about your your whole moving situation right now. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, because I think people should know the energy that I have for this podcast right now, which is you're just setting the baseline. Let yes. everyone know. Yeah. Uh, it, and and what was your um, what was your comment to me when I said uh, we were gonna forego the Packers and just pack it all ourselves? Uh, packing is miserable. Uh, is that what I said? Uh, I think you said, um, you sure it's going <laughs> to, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. Huh? <laughs> so folks, we are recording at 9 46 PM. I am leaving in 12 hours to go to my new home and there is still packing to do. So, oh, but we're taking time to do can't read, can't write because we, the people we are, deserve it. And because it is uh, my one true love. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, other true loves that we need to talk about is, of course, our presenting sponsor. Of course. Uh, Fraser's Pub, 
if you didn't ring in the new year there, I don't know what the hell you were doing. Uh, Losers. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, things you should know about Fraser's Pub. It is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It is on Packard Street. It is far enough away from campus. You are not going to be overrun by those kids that go to that school there. Uh, you will run into some Wolverines, but it is a Big, friend, a big Ten friendly crowd and is uh, a great place to grab a beer and grab a bite. Including a new beer of the month, Michael Jones. That, that is correct. We are recording on one one. 2020 and so that means we have a new beer of the month it is founders solid gold and uh founder solid gold uh, describes itself as drinkable uh, which makes me wonder what they say about the rest of their beers uh it is a a new take on a classic taste a pilsner classic 4.4% Availability year round, not at Frasers. I'm saying, but you know, you can get it year round from from founders. Uh, but currently, you can get a 23 ounce for the price of a pint, which is a solid deal. Uh, please, if you do make it into Frasers Pub, it would mean a lot to us, and it would mean even more to us if you could let the manager know that can't read, can't write sent you. This is a real sponsor, unlike the rest of the sponsors that you'll hear. The remainder of the <laughs> unlike show. the sponsors to come. This yes. one is legit. Yes. Uh, uh, they, there is money exchanged for words, though uh, we wouldn't have accepted them as a sponsor if we didn't believe in them as a uh, as a brand. They're a great bar. Please go and check them out. Of course not. We've got standards. Come on. Uh, so for those of you who are, <laughs> that's absolutely not true. <laughs> Anyone who wants to pay us, we will take your money. Uh, but, uh, for those of you who are starting off your 2020 right by listening to our show for the first time, uh, I want to let you know that the way things work, other than us uh, goofing around for the first five minutes or so, is we will, uh, take a trip to the, behind the green wall and talk about some of the news stories going on in Michigan State Athletics. From there, we will take a trip off Grand River and cover some of the headlines in college sports not MSU related. Uh, oftentimes we'll take your Twitter questions and of course preview the games ahead. So Kevin, let's take a deep dive behind that green wall. Yeah. And, uh, and, and discuss what we alluded to the biggest defeat of all defeats MSU taken down wake forest in the pinstripe bowl. I mean, this is the premier Thursday <laughs> late afternoon bowl game. Uh, and I, I think people were enraptured by it. Uh, so I, it was I, a Friday. It was a Friday. Pardon, pardon me. Friday afternoon. Uh, still during work hours, <laughs> technically. Uh, yeah, you've uh, you're under the weather as a result of this one. I I don't think it's really worth our time to sort of belabor what happened in the pinstripe bowl. I think everybody sort of knows. Uh, I, I think it was just like a microchasm of the entire season. The offense floundered in the red zone three times and then took a knee uh on on the last attempt in the red zone um so blunders abounded where that's concerned uh the whole msu football team apparently bet the under so everybody's rich (laughs) they're all taking very uh very nice winter breaks right now before the uh, spring semester starts because they are all 
flush with cash having accepted uh, the underbet. Um, well, they earned it having to go to New York for the poll. Having to be outside. Oh, terrible. But as I said, I don't really think it's worth relitigating every aspect of this game. Uh, MSU beat a solid opponent. Uh, I'm more interested in sort of looking at maybe like Brian Lewerke. I, I thought the quarterback play there, particularly given the fact that Wake Forest, Jamie Newman is apparently entering the transfer portal. So there's the idea that, you know, this staff has just been watching film on this guy. Uh, I don't know what he's looking for. I know that there are other quarterbacks in the transfer portal portal as well. That's sort of starting to flush itself out. Uh, we got a Twitter question coming up about that, I believe. So um, looking at that and then, I mean, there was young talent that sort of stood out to me at times while I was watching this game, including your personal favorite, Julian Barnett. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and Trey Mosley also heck of a game followed up uh, his uh, huge game against Maryland with a a couple solid, I believe third down catches uh, Mm -hmm. to get, to get the first down. Naylor comes back and looks amazing. Yeah, Jay, I mean, Jalen Naylor had five catches for 60 yards. So, I mean, that's a weapon that we could have used. I mean, Cody White, of course, uh, Lewerke's sort of been looking to him all season, so he had the most touches. But uh, between Naylor and Mosley and Gillison, freshman Trenton Gillison, Trenton Gillison, who had a fumble, unfortunately, but also... Four big receptions for 88 yards, uh, including mm-hmm, one 64-yard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. reception. Uh, couldn't be too upset about what was happening in the in the passing game where the wide receivers are concerned. Uh, I was struck at times, though, by the... I don't want to say poise because Lewerke had some good scrambles, but just the accuracy was not there. I, I know we've been talking about Lewerke's NFL prospects. There were times where I was watching this game where I just thought, like, this is going to kill you on NFL film. Um, but what, what stood out to you? Well, I, you know, you bring up Lewerke. He did set the record for uh, a total, uh, total yards by an MSU player uh, passing Connor Cook. Yeah, but isn't that a product of modern college football? Like, is well, it not a how, surprise? How, and, how antiquated was Connor Cook? Uh, but, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but also things are getting more and more pass-centric. And this but, was a season where they put up a, a lot of yards and not a lot of points. So I just, I can't get excited. I, I'm inclined to almost throw that, those types of career statistics away in reference to previous careers right am i wrong about that i mean i i guess i think that maybe the the point isn't actually that it's a product of modern offenses because i don't know that the offense has changed meaning and indeed it has not changed meaningfully and and that's part of the reason we're all so upset but it has in scheme i mean brian lewerke took almost every snap out of the shotgun this entire season no 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 it has it's a product of the fact that MSU couldn't run the ball. That, I mean, and and tack on the fact that Brian Lewerke in his uh, sophomore season had a huge rushing 
season and so was able to add yardage that way Fair. to his total offense output he's always been great on the scramble always but you know it, i mean it, what's alarming is that he is a relatively inaccurate not alarming it's just it's what's bizarre to me what's confounding to me is that he's a relatively inaccurate quarterback um who has not had huge playmakers at wide receiver for most of his career mm-hmm. uh who has not put up a ton of points uh and indeed can't doesn't have he does not have a win record to suggest that he led total offense for MSU that's what's crazy to me is well, that the guy who's who's put the most put the most offensive yards on the board has not had wins correspond with that. Well, that's not a surprise because we've been talking about the statistic all season of yards versus points and the ratio of those two. Sure. Uh, and MSU was just abysmal in that metric last year, and this year has been not that much better. And we saw it in this game. Four consecutive trips to the red zone with no points scored. So, yeah. I, I well, just think that that's a product of the play calling modern college football in the team's inability to score points in the end. And, and uh, I, I think it's, it's great that, that the seniors left with a win. I am uh, happy for them. And I am, uh, I don't mean this in a mean way, but I'm happy to see them go. Um, They, they, we've had these uh, team members for three years now, most of them starters. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, for three years, and other than um, the 2017 season, um, they've been uh, under expectations uh, for for what they could be, and there's some reasons to be hopeful about what's coming forward. To 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 your point and what we've been talking about, and not to mention that uh, Jaden Reed, the transfer from Western, who was a freshman All American um, last season. Uh, will be joining the wide receiving core. The question Relatedly, is for next year, who's going to be throwing him the ball? Uh, yeah. Is that person already on this, uh, on the depth chart? Is that person, was that person playing for the other team <laughs> in the last game of the season? <laughs> I mean, on paper, Jamie Newman had a worse game than Brian Lewerke did, but I think just the eye test and I'm, you know, I kind of roll my eyes whenever talking heads make these types of arguments that I'm about to do myself. Just looking at the eye test, Jamie Newman had a better game, I think, than Brian Lewerke did. Uh, I mean, he threw three touchdowns, uh, but had fewer yards. So it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, there's a new, it seems that we tend to break these teams down into eras and the Brian Lewerke era for lack of a better you know, name for it, is sort of ending. And we're going to look at a new era with, you know, a lot of the young pieces that we saw this year moving into bigger roles and then adding a few as well. Yeah, and, and so speaking of which, um, another person exiting is Josiah Scott, mm-hmm. um, you know, who could have come back for another year but has opted to go pro. Um, you know, what's a, first of all, um, love Josiah Scott and wish him nothing but the best for sure. Uh, did see someone who, um, 
His last name is Anderson, um, who owns Anderson Motors. Okay. Um, hop in Josiah Scott's mentions and tell him he's a moron. Um, and I would like to call this person out by name because uh, I, I think that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, like, how can you begrudge a, a, a very young man who is so athletically gifted, plays well beyond his size? I mean, that dude is barely bigger than me. <laughs> and, and is playing lockdown corner play against most wide receivers. Sure. And is projected to be uh, a reasonable draft pick and be able to be a slot corner in the NFL, which has been a lifelong dream. I, I mean, what what kid at 12 years old who starts to find athletic gifts doesn't maybe continue to dream about playing professional ball of whatever sort? For sure. For sure. All of these guys <laughs> on the team think or have aspirations to play uh, pro ball. So again, we've said it before, uh, and we'll take this opportunity again. Don't, don't tweet at recruits. Don't tweet at players when they've anything other than words of encouragement. It's never yes. a good look. And also, uh, they're not a sponsor. Don't shop Anderson motors for a couple <laughs> weeks. Yes. Whatever uh, that is, don't give them your money for a bit. Uh, and so, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but what's interesting about that, uh, now that we've gone on that tangent and, uh, totally, uh, called somebody out, yeah. um, who deserves it? Like, can't if you're going to speak like this in a public forum, that has consequences. So yes. <laughs> this is one of them. Yes. So, uh, with Josiah Scott leaving, that does increase the likelihood that my man, Julian Barnett is going to switch back over to defense and, and play some quarterback, which is pretty exciting yeah so there's a lot to be thrilled about uh for next year um other things to maybe be thrilled about staff changes yeah unlike some previous years where the bowl game sort of marks the end of the football the football season i I don't think that's the case here in 2020 i mean msu football is going to continue to be irrelevant you're going to be reading and hearing about it for the next month or so. Uh, I looked it up earlier today. The lack of staff changes for 2019 were announced January 11th, uh, which says to me that that, you know, that might be some indication of the type of timeline uh, that we're looking at here. Uh, You'll recall that Mark D'Antonio decided to make position changes uh, within his existing staff. Uh, decision which was uh, questioned throughout college football and uh, I believe Urban Meyer said uh, has never been done before. Uh, We don't expect that that will be the case again. I think everybody including members of the current staff expect there to be a few changes at least. Personally between us I'm gonna be surprised if we see coordinator changes but I think there's definitely going to be position coach changes. but also, you know, looking back, Mark D'Antonio doesn't like to just announce that coaches have been relieved of their duties. What he likes to do is help them into new gigs or into retirement and then make an announcement of, you know, Dan Rorschach has taken a running backs coaching gig at you know, the New Orleans Saints, uh, something like that, something along those lines. So I will be surprised if he just comes out 
one day in a press conference and says, these three coaches are gone. That's that. Thank you for your time. Um, and that might take longer. Uh, so we'll see what it ends up being. Uh, I know our personal favorite, uh, you know, resource out there, Hondo S Carpenter, uh, has been told by recruits that there are going to be no (laughs) staff changes. Uh, but I don't think anyone reasonable actually expects that. Yeah. Especially, you know, uh, everyone's favorite scapegoat, uh, Jim Bowman there, you know, he is tenured enough that you might expect to see him just retire. Mm -hmm. Um, Dave Warner, who was offensive coordinator, is on a one-year deal and for the remainder of his year was making coordinator salary despite being a position coach. So, you know, he's likely going to have to agree to a pretty sizable pay cut if he's someone that they even want to keep on staff, which Mm -hmm. he may decide to go on his own. Um, So, you know, those are those are at least two that you can see possible exits that aren't firings. And Um, you know, it's not, I mean, there's the deposition coming up, which we talked about at length last episode and you did sort of giving like a a full law background. So if you didn't hear that, but you're interested in, you know, what Mark Antonio might have to look forward to in this upcoming deposition, uh, we don't, we won't go over that again. We'll just sort of say, go listen to last week's episode. If that goes poorly or there's information in there that we weren't expecting or he gets really stressed out by it, yeah, he could just announce that he's not coming back, too. It's not impossible. So, uh, yeah, things will be interesting here in the next month or so. So uh, we'll move from one program on the rise to another one that seems to be trending up. Let's talk some basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been a few good weeks, and and actually, we'll just say a good December. Uh, they uh, the Spartans destroyed the Western Michigan Bucking Broncos. They sure know. did. They're they're not the Bucking Broncos, but uh, uh, some highlights. Foster Lawyer still coming strong with those three point shots, dude. Draining threes all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And at this point in time, I, I'm not going to pull up the stats, but and I think many of our listeners listen to other podcasts or consume enough news to know that Foster Lawyer, the much maligned backup point guard uh, to Cassius Winston, uh, had is had not been playing particularly well, but lately has been. His For sure. you know his three point shooting is I believe at over sixty percent maybe even 70%. Yeah. So the, the whole team's three point shooting is sort of returned back, you know, to use the math term regress to the mean, uh, they were shooting particularly poorly. The thing is though, foster lawyer accounts for a lot of that three point production. And as we move into league play, I think you're going to see his minutes dwindle. I, I mean, Cassius Winston didn't play at all against Western, but you've got to expect that on Thursday when MSU plays Illinois, uh, which we'll cover later. Uh, you've got to expect that Cassius is going to play at least 30 minutes in that game, which means Foster Lawyer is going to be spending more time on the bench. So uh, Cassius is shooting better. Foster is shooting much better. What that means for the rest of the team, we'll see. Uh, but Aaron Henry coming out of his shell a little bit, 
also shot very well in that game against Western. Uh, I think, you know, this is the green wall. I think the MSU media has sort of accepted the uh, storyline that he's, you know, having a difficult go of it so far this season with his, whether it's maturity level or his confidence or what it is. Uh, but everyone sort of agreed that he's figuring it out right now. Uh, we hope that that's the case and he looked pretty good against Western. Yeah. It, Henry is, is starting to demonstrate the, the uh, was it, uh, Greg Campy from Oakland or no, it was the coach from Eastern who, who talked about him being a triple threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Henry seems to be coming at least more aware that he should try and possess those three traits during a game that he can be the passer. He can, he can drive and he can shoot and he doesn't need to be perfect in any of those things at any one moment, but just needs to be able to demonstrate that he can do all three of those things because when he can demonstrate those three things, then he can do any one of those things. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think what I've seen from him is a little bit more ease that it doesn't need to be perfect all the time. It just needs to be him playing and playing to what the moment calls for. And, and at least that's the, look, I haven't talked to the guy, like, you know, I, I don't have any particular insight, but when I, when I watch him, he seems more at peace with the idea that he can just be Aaron Henry and Aaron Henry doesn't need to be perfect in everything. He just needs to do a little bit of everything. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, we'll see if that continues <clears throat> as we uh, as we get into league play. And then, of course, Rocket Watts is back from injury. Uh, still likes to score the ball when he has the opportunity. Uh, likes to take <laughs> himself some shots. Uh, but he had some pretty good dimes in this game, too, that got me excited i mean i think most of the fan base and the media sort of accepted that he's the the future at point guard and we saw sort of a glimpse of what we could hope to see in the future in this game against western so uh you add all that up you we're going to talk about this in greater detail during the twitter questions but xavier tillman had another pretty good efficiency day although it just doesn't seem like it when you're watching him uh, the numbers don't lie. So uh, pretty good game against Western. A nice tune-up uh, before Illinois and Michigan come to town. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a solid month, and you're we're starting to see some of the progression from the role players, as I think where the thesis is and, and what the coverage has been from the yeah, good progression from the role players that we had hoped to see during this slate. Um, you know, it, I. Do we, do we have a question about Marcus Bingham? Uh, we we do. do, yes. Yeah, so we'll get to that later. But, um, you know, lawyers looked better. Rocket Watts came back and is playing like I think we are hoping he continues to play. And uh, Aaron Henry, not really a role player, but, you know, is is out of whatever slump he, he appeared to be in and is, is playing the way that I think people hoped the season might progress. Um, so with that, Kevin, uh, let's hear from our first non-sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is brought to you by Facebook and Instagram, who are thrilled by the year and decade end messages all of you have been posting and consuming. 
I mean, seeing the sanitized and embellished version of the lives of acquaintances and strangers is straight poison to your stupid monkey brains, <laughs> but drives more and more traffic to our services, clicks, and impressions for our advertising partners. I mean, you don't realize it, but feeling worse about yourself makes you a better mark for us. So happy new year from Facebook and Instagram, misery machines. Uh, and Kevin, I, I gotta say, we are, that was a little bit dark, um, but true. We're not on the Facebook or the Instagram. Can't read, can't write is not on the Facebook or the Instagram. But if you wanted to share that with others, rather than uh, labor over watching other people and all the great things that they would like you to think that they're doing or have been up to, uh, please do share. That'd be great. Yeah, We'd really appreciate it. Let's be honest. If you had to look over the last few months of your lives, what's been one of the high notes? Can't read, can't write. Oh, for sure. No doubt. Share it. I mean, why wouldn't you want to give that gift to other people? <laughs> Be serious. Why wouldn't you want to gift, can't read, can't write with other people? So please do rate, review, subscribe, and share on that Facebook and Instagram because we will not be. So, Kevin, let's yeah. head off Grand River. Speaking of gifts, U of M gave a great gift to the Big Ten, a signature oh, yes. win over Auburn. Finally, uh, oh, 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 I thought we were saying that U of M finally won a, uh, a New Year's Six uh, bowl game. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Go ahead. Go with that angle. Oh, nope. Different U of M. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about Minnesota. Big win over Auburn. Yeah. Uh, I, I think earlier in this podcast, if you go back, we did not give Minnesota as much credit as they were due. Uh, I attributed a lot of their winning to the ease of schedule that they played. And then, you know, we sort of a wake up call when they beat that Penn state team. But now, I mean, Auburn is legit. So that's two that uh, this isn't an all time great Auburn team, but it's a, a fair sec Auburn team, uh, that, had aspirations to be in the college football playoff. Uh, so big win for them. You got to give it credit, give them credit. 11 win season. Uh, PJ Fleck has improved that program every year so far. Uh, and I, I mean, there's no reason to think that they won't have, you know, another pretty good season next year. No, they, they everything that Auburn gave them, they gave right back. PJ Fleck has has proved that he can coach his guys up, um, and and is making the West more interesting. And I think that's that's good for the Big Ten all around. Yeah, now, Nebraska's it, not doing it, so someone's gotta. <laughs> yeah, yes. So uh, move over, Scott Frost. <laughs> or wait, uh, nope, never got there. So <laughs> yes, PJ Fleck uh, is is doing something good over there. And and you know, honestly. Um, I like an upstart, you know, uh, I think we kind of fancied ourselves that during the, you know, the run from 2013 uh, through 2015. And it's, it's exciting to see someone else making some moves, who's, For sure. you know, not necessarily competing directly with us. So uh, congrats to Minnesota, uh, U of M, uh, first U of M team to win a New Year's Six Bowl in the Harbaugh era. Um, 
So with that, uh, <laughs> let's talk about some Big Ten disappointment. And no, we're not talking about U of M. Uh, Ohio State with a close loss in the college football playoff against Clemson. That's now, right, Clemson. Uh, I came down with the flu and only caught the first half of this, and I swore that Ohio State was going to roll. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, they looked better. And indeed, I think they are better. Now, sounds like <laughs> there might have been some shenanigans in the officiating. <laughs> Maybe not shenanigans, just some bad calls. Indeed, uh, there was a, uh, a fumble recovery for a, a touchdown, I believe. Mm-hmm. That, that is the story. That the, the Big Ten officials even came out and said, yeah, that was wrong. Uh, that Ohio State should have scored on that. So there's universal condemnation for, or not universal, but there's some condemnation for that call. But with that said, they gave up a big lead and they didn't win the game and Clemson's going to the national championship. So uh, this, it's an Ohio State team that sort of ran roughshod through the whole Big Ten. Uh, they've got a conference championship this year, but I, I got to think that, that uh, that's a difficult loss. Uh, for that fan base and that team. So, yeah, you know, I, I will say this about the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- it, I, maybe my criticism of it, especially as a four team sort of structure, and, because I think back to our college football playoff uh, appearance, which did not go well. No, no, uh, it did not. But that it, it discounts sort of your entire your entire season you know you in a, in a way that doesn't feel the same as if you had gone to the rose bowl and maybe not won. you would still say you know uh you know champion uh conference champion and uh you know went to the rose bowl and whatever you um you're saying that that msu college football playoff merchandise didn't exactly fly off the shelves at sbs that uh <laughs> that losing such a game under you know under the circumstances that you would normally lose a game you know close game that you were in or a blowout uh that neither of those are particularly uh you know the what's the word satisfying conclusions and sort of leave a, a poor taste in the mouth for the whole season regardless of what may have happened previously right you know the 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 difference is between the college football playoff system as structured and say the ncaa tournament is that a for a number of teams just making the ncaa uh tournament is a is a privilege mm-hmm. right Right. Uh, and, and B that there are other teams that are just happy to have made it through a round or mm. two rounds like and, Indiana who will, uh, mint a sweet 16 ring for their players when they advance that far. <laughs> yes. Just like that. Um, so, you know, the, I do, I feel a little bit bad, or at least, I mean, not bad, because Ohio State, this was an impressive team. And maybe actually I do feel bad for them in the sense that this was an insanely talented Ohio State team. Right. Um, but that I, I can empathize with what their situation is, which is it feels like the whole season was a bust now. Yeah. And that's not how they should feel. Um, I know that I look back on... 
2015. And that's not how I feel like we should feel about that season. But and we still hold the college football playoff appearance up. But, you know, it, it still is kind of like, yeah, but we don't really want to talk about what happened there. Yeah. But at the same time, I now with hindsight, now that it's been a few years, I remember that Big Ten championship game against Iowa. And that oh, yeah. win is becoming more and more fond for me over time. So uh, I remember that. I remember watching that very distinctly. I remember watching it with a very good friend who's from uh, the University of Iowa. <laughs> it was great, Jared. Um, so I we have some notes here about two other Big Ten teams that lost their bowl games. Oh, Wisconsin loses on a close game to Oregon. One second. Also want to just say real quickly about the other college football playoff game that yes. Pat Forty was asked by a Michigan State alum whose name is escaping me, but is in the journalism sphere to do a redo of power rankings of teams that are worst uh, college football playoff uh, teams who made the, the ranks, if you will. And Oklahoma is now leading the 2019 Oklahoma is now leading that charge. Michigan State dropped to number two as worst college football playoff team. Okay. I, that's Pat 40. I don't really care that much. I'm just saying that that LSU Oklahoma game was insane. Yes. Burrow had thrown more touchdowns than uh, Jalen Hurts had completed in the first half. Yeah. So you, you've got a LSU Clemson national championship game. Uh, that should be a good one, but it looks like LSU is just on a war path right now. Uh, going back, Wisconsin loses a close game in the Rose bowl to Oregon, uh, that, uh, ended while we were preparing slash recording the beginning of this podcast. So if there was anything crazy that happened there, we're not aware of it. And you're welcome to, but I don't particularly care that U of M lost and I don't, need to pile on they lost to alabama they actually they actually put up a bigger fight than i expected for three quarters and then uh you know then then alabama scores then the tide rolled yep alabama scores with uh 30 seconds to play and and they could have uh they could have taken a a knee but nick saban decided (laughs) not they didn't no and i i if if ever I felt like Saban was not welcome back in East Lansing, he is now. Well, that was dumb. You're dumb if you think Saban's not welcome back in East Lansing. I, I'm not saying I, I feel that way. I'm just saying that if ever there was a tinge of me that had any thoughts of that, it's certainly squashed now. There's always been that rumor that he has always hated U of M. And this sort of uh, lent a credibility to that, that rumor. Because I, I think there are a lot of teams out there where Nick Saban would have taken the knee. But uh, he decided not to this time. And I well, haven't yeah. seen if anyone's asked him about it and if he's had, you know, he has some kind of statement on it. Uh, again, we were preparing and, and recording this podcast uh, same day. So uh, that's, uh, you know, the Big Ten bowl lineup so far. I think we still got it's- Indiana to go. Speaking of the Hoosiers. All right. You know what time it is, Kevin? Twitter questions. Let's go. All right. First up, green is good. Please tell me cash is fine so I can stop praying 24 hours a day. I think you should. And I would like keep praying. I mean, well, I don't want to tell you what to do with your religious efforts. Green is good. (laughs) You know, you do you. You worship in whatever way you see fit. But (laughs) 
this seems like a worthy cause. Uh, so I, I say keep it up. Uh, if it's been working for you so far, let it roll. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Yeah, you're, uh, you know, you're being selfless, I guess. Uh, you're mm-hmm. praying for somebody else. Um, you're praying for that person's health. So I think you're checking the boxes. I see no reason not to. Just make sure you're praying for both knees. <laughs> Remember, last year they both were a concern. Yeah. So pray for both knees. Yes, uh, maybe 12 hours one, 12 hours the other. Um, uh, I would point out, though, for the listenership, uh, Tom Bizzo said that it was an entirely precautionary thing. Uh, that he kept Cassius out of the the Western game. Uh, so green is good. Keep up the good fight, but you probably don't have to either. So, and honestly, it was kind of nice to see uh, a team without cash for, for just sure. a minute. For you sure. know, see what we got. Yep. Next up, Jer Bear. Give me your team North America starting five. Uh, oh, let me rephrase. Right, uh, timing was off there. Give me your team North America starting five in beers one starter at least from usa mexico and canada and who is the sixth man sixth man off the bench i spent more time uh thinking about this than any of the other twitter questions as i was putting them together so i'll start with my canadian uh i was just up there for christmas i married into a canadian family uh and i was uh I was shown the light of Bose Brewing Lug Tread Lagered Ale out of Van Leek Hill, Ontario, which is right between Montreal and Ottawa, uh, which is a great little trip, by the way. You can fly into either Montreal or Ottawa, train between the two, uh, stop by at Van Leek Hill and go over to Bose Brewing, have a Lug Tread Lagered Ale. Uh, those are two great cities, two great towns. Um, and that would be that would be my Canadian option. Uh, I love Montreal. Montreal is a fantastic city, and Ottawa is a capital of a country. So there's tons <laughs> to do there. Um, going down to Mexico, I'm going to go with the Tecate. Uh, I know it's a little bit basic, but I've always had a good experience with my Tecates when I've ordered one. Uh, so that's going to be my pick there. Uh, going back home, we're going to keep it Midwestern a little bit. I'm going to take the Great Lakes Eddie Fitz, which is just my favorite beer straight up. I'm going to take the Bells Two-Hearted. And I'm going to go back to Canada, I guess. I'm going to take the Labatt Blue as my drinkable option. Uh, and then I'm going to take, coming off the bench, the, cigars, the Cigar City High Ally, which is a, a juicy IPA, which uh, we're going to cover later in the Twitter questions. Uh, but I, I really enjoy. So what do you got, Jonesy? All right, so I did not prep enough for this. So let me, let me do this on the fly here. Let's start with Mexico. Mm-hmm. Pacifico Great. is my favorite Mexican beer. I mean, they, they come in a lot of, you know, sort of, uh, there's moments for each of them, but I would say Pacifico is, if I had to pick one, my go-to. Um, from Canada. I do not know enough about Canadian brew. Uh, so, ah, man, I hate this that I got to pick one from Canada. I mean, I'm, I'm so stumped on this that I'm going to have to go with, uh, you know what? You got to go something high alcohol. You got to go something party. 
I'm gonna go molson ice here. Ooh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go garbage on garbage on garbage. Molson ice. Beautiful. I also remember that my dad. I made my dad buy it once for a party he was having. He like let me pick the beer, and I picked molson ice. And for some reason, he said yes to that, and it was a giant mistake. Uh, he never let me do that again. And he said, my son's always been a disappointment, but never as much <laughs> as this moment. Yeah, I think maybe I was like 13 or something, and I was like, you know, we were walking around Meyer, and he's like, uh, I need a beer, you know, pick one out. Um, that's, that's how I'm going to raise my son. So, uh, and I'm going to drink whatever he says. Um, anyway, let's see. Next up, America, for sure. You need a five-star. You know what I mean? You need that big man in the middle. I'm going Russian River, Piney the Elder. Uh, For those who don't know it, Russian River is a tiny brewery in Santa Rosa, California, that has a very highly rated uh, beer called Piney the Elder. Uh, And Piney the Younger is also solid. So that's a deep cut for you. There you go. Bring in the knowledge of the people. Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm also going to go with uh, a little two-hearted. I don't think you can... That's your sort of power-forward position. For sure. I don't think you can say no to it. And um, you know what? You need something serviceable. Gotta go Miller Lite. I'm sorry. Oh, dude, go High I'm Life not... if you're going to go Miller Lite. You know what? No, that's my sixth man off the bench. <laughs> okay. I love that they're now selling the High Life in champagne bottles. It's one of my favorite things. That's because it gets things rowdy. Champagne and beers, baby. That's what you need in a six man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's the Rodman. Uh, okay. Great work. Off the top of your head, I'm proud of you. We covered a lot of ground on that. Uh, yeah. You- did you say your six man? I did. I lied. Okay. Cigar City. All right. Uh, then I will go uh, next to the real upper deck jerk guy. Oh, why does it? Why does it seem like Tillman isn't doing much yet? He keeps getting double doubles. Yeah, I agree with you on this upper deck jerk guy. When you're watching the game, it seems like he's just sort of down there taking up space. He gets some, you know, boards. He gets some garbage buckets. Uh, but his stats are through the roof. I mean, we had a moment on the podcast a couple of weeks ago where I was questioning Tillman. At, and then I looked at the box score on, you know, while being recorded, and I was like, well, these numbers are really good. And then his plus minus stats are even better. So uh, Izzo has good things to say about him in the press conferences. His numbers are there. Uh, I, you know, I'll defer to all of that. The production is there. But uh, it, it does definitely seem like when you're watching the game, he isn't imposing himself. He's sort of playing within it, which is maybe what you want from a guy in, in that position. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, his plus minus is through the freaking roof. Yeah. I, I, I don't, you're right. It, it, and I think maybe it's because the pick and roll has been a little less infect, a little less effective this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so things are developing a little differently. And so we're not quite sure what the offense is, but whatever the offense is, it's quite clear that Xavier Tillman is the man who's holding it all together. A big part of it, uh, which we'll cover in this uh, Illinois preview at the end of the at the end of the pod, at the end of the cast. Podcast. 
what will be the next question from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy is, what will be the biggest Spartan athletic story in 2020? Well, I'd love to see a national championship for the basketball team, but right now, um, I think we're looking at like a, an Elite Eight type of team. Not impossible to win one, but uh, but possible. Uh, not not impossible, but I'm going to say the biggest Spartan athletic story in 2020 <laughs> is going to be what ends up happening with the football team in this upcoming season with changes to the staff, with Mark D'Antonio, uh, how they perform with a more difficult schedule and sort of where the, where the trajectory of the program is headed since things have sort of plateaued over the last couple of years. What do you think? So this is just going to be a bold prediction. I, as we said before, no evidence to back it up. I think it's a new offensive coordinator. Okay. Um, if Mark D'Antonio is smart, and I think he is, he knows that he actually has some offensive weapons next year. He has a young offensive line that maybe needs a scheme to help him out. I think he brings in an OC, and I think he knows that if he wants to be competitive next year, they got to put up some, some points on a consistent basis. And so he's got to turn the keys over. And that's my prediction. He doesn't like uh, to if do not, it, though. He wants nope. everything to operate within his system. Uh, is the old dog going to learn a new trick? I guess is the question. Uh, yep. Uh, that's my prediction. Otherwise, maybe it's his deposition. Could be. So, which I hope it's not. Um, is, the next question is from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy is, is any IPA a fad or is it here to stay? And uh, just for the audience, that's the New England IPA, which is sort of the the juicy, <laughs> hazy IPA option, which... I've been waiting for this question. Waiting on this for beer two. There we go. We got a oh wheezing the juice out of Armory Brewing here that I received for Christmas, uh, it, which is one of these, uh, you could say. I think it's here to stay. I think it's, I think it's different enough from a traditional IPA uh, that it's sort of carved out its own niche in the market. And I mean, they've been around for what? two, three years now, at least. And I'm seeing more and more of them. So uh, as the craft beer market grows and matures, uh, I think I think this sort of flavor profile is going to stick around. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. The the IPA fad, fad, the IPA explosion, if you will, it mm. became a race to just out hop people. And it seems like I certainly got bored with it pretty quickly, was less interested in IPAs because I didn't want the headache, literally, and it just wasn't interesting to me anymore. There was no balance. There was no actual flavor other than just like kick you in the teeth with hops. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can build on the IPA brand, which Obviously, there was a, a desire for it because people kept buying it, which meant people kept making them. But you can diversify and give people alternatives, but utilize the brand. I, I think it's there to stay uh, until we all go back to stouts. That's right. Um, last question. Stouts in the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question from the Upper Dirk Jerk Guy is, when will we hear about any changes to the football coaching staff? Covered this already. I, I think we're going to start hearing in the next couple of weeks. 
And it seems to me that the Upper Deck Jerk guy really only listened to his segment last week because we definitely gave our predictions on when we would hear by. And I had it 13 days after the bowl game. You were at 14. Yep. Mark your calendars, folks. Next question from Tom. What happens if you... <laughs> All right. Tom is a new follower. Tom better listen to this episode because he asks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if you have children listening to this, please plug their ears. No, we're going to keep it PG-13. We're good. It's within... What, what happens if you, fill, if you fill your ass with hummus? Asking for a He's friend. Asking for a friend. Uh, I think the answer to this is first, like, how filled could it really get? <laughs> how what are we talking here? Um, I think it's probably a delight. Uh, you know, you get a nice little chickpea uh, aroma, uh, musk for the rest of the day. Um, a musk. I uh, I think you got to be you, you've got to sort of uh, give a lot of thought to your movements throughout the rest of the day. Uh, you've got to be deliberate going from A to B. Don't want to spend a whole lot of time on your feet uh, if you're in this type of situation. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it could be nice. I think it could pay off in, in unexpected ways. What about you? Well, look, everyone knows that the Mediterranean diet got really popular. Yeah, of course. So, you know, uh, it feels like this is a natural extension. Mm -hmm. uh, the next logical sort of, step. In the way that L.A. leads the charge on things, that you would go with a hummus enema. And um, so I think you probably lose weight and feel cleaner. That's what I'm going with. You know, and the the olive oil and hummus keeps the tracks moving, you know? Yep. So um, on so. to hummus, from hummus enema to go MSU butt boy 69. <laughs> My parents listen to this. Um, why, why is Bingham not getting more time? His defensive rebounding is an issue, but he's by far the best option offensively. And he can actually hit threes. Yeah. Uh, to which the upper deck jerk guy added, he, he somehow can't hold on to the ball. Yeah, the body's not totally there yet, and the defense is a concern. And we've said this again and again: defense is going to determine your play time. Uh, he has been starting. Uh, so Izzo's getting him out there, getting him some run. But the four well, spot has been has been pretty interesting. What what they're doing with it? Um, what do you think? Well, so I actually, you know, I don't mean to parrot Graham Couch because I oftentimes don't agree with him. But in this particular case, I, I do agree with his take on why it makes sense to start Bing. That it's hard to get him into the game later, right? And so he's someone that if he's going to hit it, you might as well find out early. And he has the size that he might give you, he might give you some defensive upside. You know, he, he might snag a block or two and, and we've seen that from him um we've seen him attack the rim at times so you put him in there you see what you get and and you throttle the bandwidth depending on you know what what production you're seeing from him and you have enough other four options that are that are able to perform off the bench in ways that i'm not sure bingham can yet mm -hmm. 
that it makes sense to just see where things go. As for why he's not getting more time, I don't think he's earned the, the more time. I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that he's the best option offensively. You know, we saw Malik Hall hit three threes. Um, and the reason you can't start Malik Hall is because he will foul out. Yeah, but um, have you? how many threes has he hit since the Seton Hall game? I, I'm, well, hold on. Hear me out. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen other things out of Malik Hall, too. You know, that dunk against Western was, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he straight up murdered a guy. Uh, and in careers and, out here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that guy was so psyched that he thought he got a charge. And no, no, he did not. Uh, the, um, you know, uh, Kyle Aaron, uh, Aaron's, um, had, uh, had some flashes in oh. the Western game. The, uh, Kithier has not looked bad at moments and has gotten some points. Like, I think the problem is less with Bingham being the solution and more of the fact that no one at the four has really proven themselves to be able to take hold of the spot and Bingham just makes the most sense to start. Uh, but they've all warranted their time on the floor. So I, I don't know. I, I respectfully disagree with the premise uh, that he is the best option offensively. I, I don't know that in any one game, any one of them is the best option offensively. Agree. So the four with remains that, a big question. Uh, our favorite frenemy, CT and TC, uh, which I found out his first name is you gonna again are we outing people are we doxing well it's just it's just podcast? his first name and it was something offensive like chad no cam cam, cam. Ugh. cam. that must be hard yeah i'm sorry cam uh what is your new year or what are your new year's resolutions uh i have no need for a new year's resolution everything is perfect um i'd like to get the, the podcast length down to an hour 10 on average what do you got? Oh, going straight for the pod. <laughs> Silencing me here. All right. Um, I'm going to ramble then. Uh, <laughs> I, on, I honestly, you know, between the flu and the move, I have not come up with a New Year's resolution. I will say I tend not to have resolutions because those seem a little uh, make or break. And if you fall off the wagon for a second, you you abandon it. So I try and commit myself to just. um. Little things, little goals that, you know, uh, get to bed a little bit earlier. And it doesn't mean you have to fall asleep earlier, just get in bed a little bit earlier. You know, stuff like that. Um, God, that's such a dad resolution. Oh, God. Cam can relate to that. (laughs) Um, So, look, um, I think think my New Year's resolution, though, is to make Cam a nicer person. Mm. And, um, you know. Uh, Cam, we also wish you the best uh, in you, uh, you and your family in the personal life that you have, as you mentioned, but wish you the absolute worst in athletics. Um, and you know what? You started 2020 off right in that regard. Yeah, you sure did. So next up. Hopefully Boy it continues through Sunday. Yes. Uh, Boy Spartan asks uh, Felipe Franks as our QB next fall. Question mark. So this uh, for the listenership is a Florida transfer quarterback who had an MSU offer coming out of uh, high school. Uh, I don't know much about this guy's career. Uh, I, I didn't really research him that much, uh, but 
you know, if he had an MSU offer back in the day, I got to expect that this staff it would, you know, there's been a lot of continuity. They, they know who this guy is. Uh, the rumor right now is Kansas, I believe, but, uh, I've been on the record. I think this team, this staff should take a long, hard look at uh, taking a transfer quarterback. I think Rocky Lombardi is not the guy, and the younger guys will stick around if the transfer quarterback is, you know, a senior or, uh, you know, a, a junior, um, an upperclassman. So uh, I'd be happy to take him if he'd, you know, be a good option for us. What do you think? I think that you shouldn't take a quarterback who is rumored to be going to Kansas, period. Mm. Why would you go play football for that program? Like, that is not a Because Les Miles is crazy as a fox, man. That's why. Honestly, you know, I'm at the point where there's enough offensive weapons that a mediocre quarterback, um, I think, will have a fine year. So I'm saying Peyton Thorne. Okay, you've never Next. seen him throw the ball. <laughs> Do not care. I've heard plenty, and okay. he got a really favorable comparison from somebody. Okay, that's such garbage, but okay, whatever. I think it was a Drew Brees comparison. <laughs> Hang your hat on it if you want. That's, oh, God, such an awful. Anyway, continue, please. We d- Let's we move did on. Have the guy, <laughs> we did have the guy who broke Drew Brees' high school records transfer away from school. Um. Next up from David Jackson. Has Winston been Wally pipped by lawyer and Hoiberg? Uh, Wally, Wally Pip, of course, uh, known as what was that? It's a baseball thing, right? He got replaced by someone while he was out of the game or injured or whatever it was. That's that's the etymology of that term, right? You're kind of more of the baseball guy of the two of us. Hadn't heard of him. Googled him now. Not familiar with someone who was uh, born. In the 19th century? Yeah, but it's a sports phenomenon. Like, this gets said fairly. Yeah, so, Wally pipped by Lawyer and Hoiberg. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, he might as well transfer. We've seen the end of Cassius Winston. <laughs> totally replaced <laughs> by Hoiberg. Uh, no, I think the fact that Hoiberg played so much tells you about uh, what the staff thinks about our backup point guard situations. I don't think they have the complete answer. I think they're just sort of still trying to figure it out. Uh, so got to be happy to have Cassius back and got to be a little bit concerned about the future, even though lawyers feeling better right now. And, uh, and rocket Watts has shown glimpses. What do you think? I was actually shocked at how serviceable Hoiberg was. Yeah. I mean, he's still a dude. He had mid major offers. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he absolutely rose to the occasion, though, you know, it it did seem like the ball moved a little bit better out of his hands than Lawyer, though, when, uh, when you look at the stat line, he and Lawyer ended up with the same number of assists, so, I, no, I I, I mean, absolutely, to, I, I yes, obviously, I disagree with the premise, but, um, I, I think we came out of the, that Western game, hopefully, with just a little bit more confidence about lawyer. And, and I know there are a lot of lawyer haters and a lot of lawyer skeptics out there. And they're like, Oh, it's only Western Michigan. Dude still shot the ball. Like it, it's not like it was a nobody team. 
So, you know, they're still a D1 school. And better Kempom rating than Eastern. So similar outcome, but on paper, a much better team. So, yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, moving on. Uh, next question. With about 10 guys coming back who have started on the offensive line, will the position group suddenly become a team strength in 2020? <laughs> I mean, on paper, you would hope that that's the case, but you, you got to prove it to me at this point. Like, there, I know every major conference offensive line has injuries. I mean, these are big dudes. Humans aren't supposed to be this large, and they're not supposed to hit each other as frequently as these guys do. So injuries happen. Uh, but I, at this point, I'll believe it when I see it, right? Is it fair to be skeptical of the offensive line right now? Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I do think it's worth noting that we had a number of freshmen who played who were not hurt who stepped in and were, I, I would say, just as good or maybe even slightly better than some of the veterans that we had playing. So if you keep that in mind and hope that the freshmen, you, you would expect some appreciable progression from them, if no one else, and you return the, the more veteran crew, for instance, I think Kevin Jarvis is back, who, uh, who, had, a, who had a solid performance until he was hurt. There are reasons to believe that the offensive line will see some uptick. I don't know that I would go so far as to say strength because you look at other things on offense next year, uh, tight end, wide receiver, and running back are all places that you can expect to see strength next year that we didn't necessarily feel it this year. But I would, I would expect to see uh, better than this year. Uh, confirm Kevin Jarvis was a junior this year, so he will be back. Uh, and I think he maybe got to take a redshirt this year. Oh, perfect. I, I don't know where he ended up in games played. So with, uh, with that, thank you all for the Twitter questions. They do make this, uh, a lot of fun and uh, particularly ones about hummus, I guess. Uh, and so with that, we will head to our next, not a sponsor. Kevin, this week's episode. It's brought to you by the officials from the Pac-12 Conference. <laughs> They've got a special message from the folks uh, at Ohio State University, the fans in particular. They want to let you know, you could have had us. We're here. We're available. Sitting by the phone. It's been months since we made all those mistakes. We promise. And drew all those national headlines and had to issue very public, very <laughs> national apologies for our terrible calls. We've changed, we promise. I know you're clamoring for us. Call us. We'll be there. Pac-12 officials. Do you even remember what the Pac-12 issue was in the Arizona State game? Like, I was... Oh, yes, I do. What was it? It was, it was leaping. Oh, the leaping call. That's right. That literally was a game-deciding call. Oh, that's right. They missed the leaping call. Oh, God. Remember the yep. leaping call against Indiana at Indiana? I miss you lost that game. God. I remember also the Pac-12 had to issue another public apology this year. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget for what, but uh, it happened twice this year. That they, I think maybe it was Arizona State? Another Arizona State A game? different Arizona State game? Yeah. All right. Let's anyway, 
Yeah. Uh, let's head to our preview section. Uh, Kevin, can you feel the Illinois? Yeah, uh, I called this uh, this segment, Come on, Feel the Illinois, because I like to date myself and make music references when, uh, when possible. Um, this has been, so Illinois comes into Breslin tomorrow at the time of recording Thursday, uh, Thursday evening. Uh, this has been a very strange uh, season for this Illinois basketball team who has a big win against U of M who will also cover after this. But other than that, really no wins to point to at all. They had Maryland up against the ropes, uh, but managed to, to bungle that game away. Uh, wait, 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 wait. They managed to bungle a game against Maryland against Maryland. It was a co Turgeon? It was a co bungling situation and Maryland <laughs> managed to end up winning by accident. Um, <laughs> they got annihilated by Arizona earlier in the year and very recently have home losses to Miami and Missouri. Really, with the exception of the Michigan home win, they have nothing to be excited about. Uh, but but Grant, but Grant Couch says that they're they're in the number two team in the Big Ten. Listen, I don't think he said that recently. And if he has, that's foolish. Um, but I mean, they do have pieces. Uh, they've got Kofi Coburn is how you're supposed to pronounce it. I didn't know uh, which of us was going to do it first. And if you knew that. Um, <clears throat> Did not. That's not how it's spelled. Yep. I, uh, I saved you from that one. Coburn, I believe, is the pronunciation. Uh, Why is the CK there? Uh, listen, man. Uh, the English language is, is fickle. Uh, basically, six foot freshman, uh, or seven foot freshman, pardon me, basically averaging a double. That's double. different. Um, so he's a bit of a force, and it, it is worth keeping in mind that MSU has struggled uh, previously this season with bigger, longer teams. So keep an eye on Xavier Tillman and his foul trouble. Hopefully, you know, we find some kind of rotation that gives him fits. Uh, but other teams have managed to do it, so I have no reason to expect that MSU won't uh, as well. Um, you think Marble gets some time? I got. I hope so that you have something to talk about. Like, we should we just call <laughs> this the Marble Barnett podcast? <laughs> just, just cut out the middlemen and just do an hour on Marble and Barnett every week. Um, that's what you want for your uh, New Year's resolution. You well, want to up the Barnett and Marble uh, content. I recently saw the picture of um, uh, of lawyer doing the what's the name of the guy who does the salting. Um, it was a whole thing, meme thing. Hmm. Uh, There's like a butcher who does uh, yeah, salt in funny ways a, with the forearm and the thing yeah, yeah and, and there's uh, there's one of lawyer doing that with uh marcus bingham behind him and i am all in also on lawyer so it is the barnett marble lawyer train this is a good personality train or team can we just say that state explicitly like this is a very likable yeah, this... very affable group of student athletes and that has not always been the case with msu basketball players and no. teams this um, is this is a great team very easy to get excited and root for these guys. Uh, and we haven't even talked about Steve Nizzo yet, which uh, do we care to speculate? At what point is the crowd going to not have the same level of enthusiasm for Steven Nizzo? When, when is that going to wear off? 
Ne- uh, well, I mean, I saw he did take a shot in the Western game. Yeah, he jacked one. <laughs> From three? Mm-hmm. How, how far back was it? Mm, not terrible, I don't think. Um, I don't remember exactly. But uh, manageable. Manageable shot. Didn't hit. I think it... I think he needs a five minute game where nothing happens for him for people to be like, all right. Well, his play time is about to drastically reduce. So (laughs) sure, sure, sure. Fair point. I'm just saying when when you're playing two minutes, it's sort of like uh, the crowd's waiting to hit the lottery, you know? Indeed. Uh, So that's Illinois. Uh, Was there anything else that we wanted to cover on Illinois? Uh, Just Illinois plays a very pesky defense. and intends to cause trouble for our guards. And, and so it's worth, you know, noting that this team has had some struggles with the turnovers. Yep. Illinois Don't. has given MSU fits uh, th- this scheme. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, also, kind of a game that snuck up on everyone. I was talking about this at my New Year's party. Uh, no one kind of knew that this was on the schedule. Unlike last season, U of M is coming to Breslin at the very beginning of the uh, of the uh, Big Ten season. Um, so we're going to get our first game between these two teams. Uh, of course, U of M looked world beating at times earlier this season with some huge wins, but they've sort of like regressed into just like a normal, you know, top tier Big Ten team. Um Probably most significantly, Isaiah Livers is out, who was shooting like 50% from three. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how things move around. Uh, Eli Brooks is probably going to take some of those minutes. He's also shooting well from three, but East Lansing's own Brandon Johns is likely to start in his place uh, with a little Franz Wagner, who uh, I haven't watched every Michigan game this year. I've watched a few. He's like very hot and cold. Um, I know that there was a lot of Franz Wagner hype coming into the season and you've seen flashes of it, but it's not consistent yet. So, uh, Brandon Johns sort of, um, what I recall from his game, the, the very little amount of time that he played in Breslin last year is that he looked a little deer in the headlights. Um, maybe that'll be different. Uh, but the crowd knows who Brandon Johns is and that he decided to leave. Uh, even though I don't think the staff was recruiting him all that hard. Um, so that'll be interesting on Sunday. Uh, pretty good game against, I I think it's fair to say two of the top three, top four teams in the league. It's Ohio state, MSU, Michigan, Maryland. Are we, are we going to include Maryland in that list? I think you have to. I mean, the talent's there. The coaching's not, but the talent's there. Are we going to talk about how the twins walked off the team or were dismissed or all the stuff that's going on over there? I That just sort of happened this week. Maryland had two players leave the program, and Mark Turgeon was salty about it, and now he's getting attacked on Twitter by the family. It's it's very Maryland. Very we, Maryland over there. We'll get into that off Grand River next week. We'll get all into it. Okay. Looking forward to it. Uh, And, you know, we failed to mention, but most notably, everyone wants to see the Cassius Winston, you know, Simpson matchup. You know, two guys that have known each other for a long time, matched up a bunch of times. Winston got all three last year. Uh, Seeing those guys. Snooze fest. Seeing those guys go after each other is fun, though. Like, I like that matchup. 
So, but but as we said to CTNTC, nope. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't like them. I want them to lose badly. Never have I ever rooted for Michigan to win a game. I was, I remarked while we were watching the Michigan Alabama bowl game that I, it felt dirty rooting for Alabama. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it, so actually this was a thing going on uh, around Twitter and, and we, maybe we should close on this point. And, and I would love your take. Maybe it's different than mine hmm. that, uh, whether you should support the big 10 or you should, uh, you know, whether you root against Michigan. And to me, the answer is very, very clear that unless there is some reason that I need Michigan to win to better my situation, there is no way I root for Michigan. Agree. Hard agree. And, and, and even when they better my situation, I don't really like that feeling. Yeah, because rooting has no actual, it, it has no impact on the game, on the actual outcome of the game. You know, I, I'm not that, that type of guy that that thinks like, oh, I, you know, uh, I've got to like wear the right socks and do, you know, I got to go. Kevin, I stand when they stand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two competing uh, approaches to the game. Um, so I think rooting interest has no impact on the outcome, and you uh, pace around your house. Because you you think that it will bring good juju to the team, so um, no, I just think it, I think it's just the right way to be a fan for sure. And I pace too out of stress because yes. I have no, I cannot affect the outcome of this game. But uh, anyway, uh, I will not root for the University of Michigan athletics under any circumstances. Um, and I was joyous to see them. Smoked by Alabama, and I loved that last-minute touchdown when they didn't need to get one, and it made me happy. Yeah. I take pleasure in their pain. And so, CT and TC, congrats on your 2020 kickoff. Mm -hmm. We'll see you on Sunday. May it continue through the end of the week, at least. And and beyond. They don't have a game. They don't have a game this week. They, They only have... MSU. So, uh, common in cold. Yep. Uh, or you could say they spent a lot of time looking at film, whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. it is a mostly new staff. So then maybe that's actually beneficial to them. Yeah. And so it gets people ramped, wrapped up pretty quickly. Anyway, with that, folks, uh, happy new year to you all. Uh, we hope that all of your 2020s, uh, your, your 2020 starts off well. We will, of course, talk to you next week. And, Thank you, as always, for listening. And from Kevin and I, go green. Go white.